Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined, as always, by Paul Zeiss. Post-Gazette Sports Columnist for our weekly Zeiss is Right video. Paul, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, Paul, we finally have some uh, breaking news to react to. Usually we are recording later in the week. Uh, uh, Chris Carter has taken up all of the the news conference topics on his uh, North Shore Drive podcast, and we just kind of have to deal with the scraps. This week they record or they hold the news season-ending news conference for Mike Tomlin on Thursday. You and I are recording about an hour or two after uh, and, and we have some stuff to react to, so I'm looking forward to, to talking about that. Before we do, just want to remind you all uh, that this this show and all of our shows are brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Um, Paul, uh, like I said, Mike Tomlin holds his season-ending news conference. Uh, talks about a lot of topics. Talks openly, you know, number one about his contract. We've all talked about a lot about that this week, so I'm going to move on from that. I think the the big headline for me was that he referred to the quarterback situation as a competition for next season. He says Kenny Pickett's going to reassume his spot at number one on the depth chart, but he's going to have to compete to hold that job either against Mason Rudolph um, or or against someone else. When asked if he thought that the current starting quarterback for next season is already on the roster. He said yes, um, but it also feels like what else is he going to say in that situation? Um, I'm going to ask the question this way, Paul. Do you believe that Kenny Pickett is going to have to genuinely compete to hold this job next season, or is is that just something uh, Mike Tomlin saying to placate the many critics of Kenny Pickett given what we've seen from Mason Rudolph these last couple weeks? Yeah, I don't think there's any chance that he's going to have to compete. It's his job. It's very clear. If you listen to what he said and listen really to everything he said, it's very clear. They would like to have Mason Rudolph back, but it's not a priority, right? So if it's not a priority, that tells me Kenny Pickett is their guy. He's going to be their guy. What is he going to do really between minicamp OTAs and everything else? What is he going to do uh, before the season starts that is going to suggest that he shouldn't be the guy? He's not going to throw any interceptions, right, in games. He's not going to you know, lead the team to nine points or ten points in, in two or three games. He's going to have every opportunity to be the guy. They want him to be the guy. I thought one of the things that Mike Tomlin said, though, is very telling. He said this is a huge, use the word huge, word, uh, uh, a year for Kenny Pickett, meaning you know, if he doesn't get it done 
and I'm not saying he's going to have a quick hook. I think some people interpreted that to be he's going to have a quick hook. I don't believe that. I think that, you know, if he if he's, uh, you know, we're going to know by four, five, six games into the season whether or not Kenny Pickett is the guy. And and if he's not, and if he loses his job again, you know, it doesn't matter who, you know, even if they bring in a rent a, a rent a guy, you know, rent a, a veteran quarterback guy for one year is just a stopgap. Even if it, even if he loses his job to that guy, you can be assured they're going to draft a quarterback the next year. They're going to you know do whatever. I mean, you can you can be assured that the next time Kenny Pickett loses his job, it's probably going to be the end of him as the starter. Now he might not lose his job. He might do what he does and you know be, get better and they, you know they bring go out and get a good offensive coordinator. The line gets a little better, yada yada. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, he's good. But at the end of the day, he's going to have to prove that. Uh, but he will get every opportunity to prove that. I don't believe for one second it'll be a thing of where we're going in training camp and you know how you know, there's a quarterback battle going on. It's like oh, you know Mason Rudolph. He took half the first team reps and all that stuff. That's not going to happen. Kenny Pickett is going to be the guy they're going to go all in to try and figure out it. Is he their guy or isn't he? And, 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 and so, you know, he can say whatever he wants to say about a competition and, you know, you can give lip service to a competition or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be a competition. Did you get the the impression, Paul, that, okay, you're, you've got him number one on the depth chart, but that they're not going to look into maybe a draft alternative as, as, as a guy who, you know, if, if Kenny Pickett struggles, you plug in a new quarterback and you see if maybe he's got a little bit. Um, I feel like Michael Penix Jr. is the, the placeholder here, but I think, you know, Bo Nix is in that conversation. Those guys who are not first-round picks, not the Caleb Williamses of the world, but the but the guys that, that might fall a little bit down, maybe more be diamonds in the rough from a professional football uh, perspective. Um, did you get any sense that that's off the table and that, that they're going to, that they're putting 100% of the chips in the Kenny Pickett basket next year or that, you know, they might say, here's a guy that's going to compete for your job that's not necessarily someone we're, you know, drafting to be the starter immediately. Maybe he's just, they're just drafting him to be a backup, kind of like they did with Mason Rudolph, and he can slide in if Kenny Pickett struggles. I mean, what, what was your interpretation of where they may go from here in terms of acquiring outside quarterbacks? Maybe not to compete with Kenny Pickett, but to be in the room with him. I would expect they'll draft a guy, Adam. And one of those guys, depending on where they're at, I mean, I, I, people went crazy when when uh, Washington beat Texas. Everyone went crazy with Michael Penix. The bottom line is he's an old guy, but, you know, relatively old guy. He's a guy that has a really sub, pretty pretty substantial injury history. Um, nobody's taken him in the first three rounds. If he's there in the fifth round, you know what? I would say take him. And I think the Steelers are probably going to look into somebody Maybe not him, but somebody like him, somebody that is a profile of him, somebody that is, you know, a guy who they can actually uh, look at and say, you know what? He might be good enough if we need somebody to be a stopgap for a couple of years. Um, So I think that that, that's the kind of profile of the quarterback that they might draft. But I I think it's 100 percent they're going to draft a quarterback this year. Not in the first round. I agree with you. Maybe not even in the first two rounds. But I think as you start to get to round four, five, you know what, depending on who's available and what quarterbacks are out there, I think they're going to use a pick on a quarterback. And their and their quarterback room next year is going to be um, Pickett as the starter, either Rudolph or some veteran X that they bring in as the backup and the rookie 
as the as the third string emergency guy. Yeah, I, I think that's what makes the most sense right now, Paul. Um, just because you know we mentioned the, the hitting the reset button if things don't work out with Kenny Pickett, I think you'd like to give your cha- yourself a chance to kind of do a, a soft reset and maybe have someone in in internally and then see how that unfolds and then you go into the 2025 draft and say, well, we'd rather we'd rather get someone higher in the draft. And I think you'd have the ability to, Paul, if things go so south with Kenny Pickett that he's not the starter for the bulk of next season. I think things get pretty bleak pretty quickly, don't you? Yes, absolutely. I think because at that point, again, listen, there's no magic formula here, Adam. The the eight quarterbacks that are still playing, seven of them are first-round picks. So for everything that people say about, oh, you know, drafting a first-round quarterback doesn't guarantee success and there's a crapshoot and all this other stuff, the reality is those are the best guys on the board. And you know what? Some of them are going to become superstars. The Steelers have a first-round pick who we've got some super and, – and, and the thing about it is if he, if he doesn't materialize, we've seen in other cases where that can set you back four or five years. Because, you know, you, you when you drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round last year, you thought you have your quarterback for the next 10 years, right? Isn't that what you're thinking? I mean, you don't draft a guy in the first round if that's not what you're thinking. Okay, we've got our quarterback position hopefully addressed now for 10 more years. Well, guess what? If he doesn't pan out, what's plan B? Now what? And does that mean that, you know, let's say you draft a guy like uh, uh, Bo Nix in the fourth round or fifth round. Okay, he's your stopgap, but now you've got to go find a quarterback. So, um, you know, it would behoove the Steelers and Kenny Pickett to figure it out to the point where they feel good about giving Kenny Pickett a second contract. And he, you know, he's the guy for at least, you know, the next five or six years. Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, I, I wouldn't be thrilled if I'm a Steelers fan and Bo Nix is the alternative. I, 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 feel like I feel like he's been a quarterback since I was in high school or something. Right. And, you know, and, and he's not, I, I have yet to see him win a big game. So there would definitely be concerns. It wouldn't be a home run situation. It just seems like, you know, that that is good management to, to get a guy who might be available in the, that range. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Paul, the other, I think, sizable headline from uh, the Mike Tomlin news conference was him saying that they're going to go outside for an offensive coordinator hire, ruled out uh, Eddie Faulkner, Mike Sullivan. Um, I don't know if they really got into their futures with the organization, but regardless, he said, we're going to go outside. My question for you, Paul, is how far outside does this person – have like no connection to the city of Pittsburgh and any of its, you know, local college teams, or or is is this this someone that's going to come from that mold of has some ties to the Steelers or or <laughs> because uh, listen, that, you know, I I don't know if that counts as outside. To me, outside is like you go find a guy who's got no ties from here at all. I'm going to give you a few names. You tell me if you'd be excited about you know them walking up to the podium for their press conference. Are you ready? Byron Leftwich. Well, I'd be okay with that. Okay. Uh, Alex Van Pelt. Probably not. Luke Getze. Absolutely not. Okay. Um, those are the three names that, you know, have popped up because, you know, we always have to have a Pittsburgh guy or a Pittsburgh connection. Right? Right. Uh, let me just say this. Um, if you th- – if you if – you, really want to do your team the best service possible, you're going to go find a guy who is maybe a quarterback's coach 
in one of these systems, right? Who's a young up and coming, just one step away from being a coordinator. Um, maybe like, and, and that really understands the passing game that really understands how to, you know what I mean? How to, how to scheme people open and really understands because the, the bottom line is a lot of these, these coordinators that are, that are on the uh, family tree, so to speak, or, or are, are really experienced coordinators. They're, they're, they're still playing football in a way that was played long ago, but isn't played that way anymore. So to me, I, I would be a lot more interested in some young guy, some 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 offensive guru type who is a quarterbacks coach, or maybe you know a pass game coordinator or whatever, um, than just sort of recycling all these names. But it, sounds, it sounds to me, Paul, like that's not what the, that he wants to do. It, sound, it sounded like he wants someone who has experience as a coordinator, whether they're currently a coordinator or not. Um, uh, what was his? Uh, Bevel, what's his what's his first name? I forget Bevel's name, but he was Daryl Bevel down in Miami. Yeah. He's maybe a guy that fits that mold, but it, it sounds like there aren't a whole lot of you know. He's not going to consider someone who's never called plays before. What if, what if, what if he what if he hires Anthony Lynn? I think that'd be interesting. What if he hires Jim Caldwell? I think that's less interesting. I think we've seen a lot of Jim Caldwell. <laughs> I'm just saying, like I'm co- now the, the one name that obviously would be out there that. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How about uh, my man in Washington, the dude that was at uh, Kansas City? Yeah, Eric Bieniemy. Would that interest you? Yes, that would interest me because I think he falls in in that category. And and I was uh, I forget who I was listening to on the radio the other day said he's very popular in Kansas City because he's a little bit of a hard ass, uh, and that a lot of a lot of Pittsburgh fans want that in in a coach of any kind. Um, and, and that that it seems like Kansas City is missing that edge that he brought to them this season. So I think that would be a, a popular pick. You know, I think it would, it would check your boxes, Paul. It would check apparently Mike Tomlin's boxes. And I think it would check a lot of fans boxes as well. I think people would be excited by that. I just, the thing about Byron left, which I, I just, I mean, can we go outside the tree? You know what I mean? Can we go outside the, I, 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 just, I get it. But the one problem that Tomlin seems to have is this perception of he's got, he wants to have his cronies around him all the time. And I would like to see someone new, you know, some new blood come in. And I'll tell you another thing, Adam. They only have 18 assistant coaches or whatever it is. Their coaching staff is one of the smallest in the NFL. Would it hurt them to hire like two extra, like two offensive analysts kind of guys? You know, one who's, uh, you know, a little bit more heavy on the math and the analytics side of things. And the other who's 
maybe a um you know a film rat or whatever like would it really hurt them to hire two younger guys with a new fresh perspective and looking at things you know i'm just saying you could go to 20 people on your staff and it would say you got the money to do that those jobs only pay like 30 grand anyway my point is you know those are the kind of guys too you can add it's not just about the offensive coordinator who's going to be your quarterback's coach are you going to stay with mike sullivan because he's got a relationship with kenny pickett you're going to go get another quarterback's coach. How about your running back's coach? You know, are you going to say to Eddie Faulkner, listen, we'll keep you, you can be remain as the, as the running back's coach. The whole reason that you promoted him and did this thing where one guy called the plays is because you promoted Eddie Faulkner hoping he could go get another job somewhere. That's Let's face it. That's That was doing him a solid. All I'm trying to say is, you know, everyone's focused on the offensive coordinator. What is the entire staff going to look like when it's hot, when it's done? And to me, if you add a couple of offensive analyst types, you know, you bring in somebody that's young and intriguing at quarterback coach. Okay, now we might have something to really talk about. Yeah, I agree with you, Paul. I think adding adding to the staff, adding a little bit of talent, and I mean, that, let's see. That's that's how these coaching trees grow in the NFL um, these days, Paul. You you look at where some of these, you know, the Sean McVay's, the Kyle Shanahan's of the world. Um, what there? It's all over like the TikToks and Instagram reels of like how many guys were on the same staff together uh, in Washington and San Francisco before they came up and all got their own head coaching jobs and started their own head coaching trees. But you know, a, a lot of these guys start in in those types of positions, and if the Steelers don't have them, then then you're kind of like limiting the growth of your own coaching tree, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole point to me. I just think, like I said. Um, I would like to see some changes uh, in the on the offensive staff and not just the coordinator. You know, if you just bring a coordinator in and you keep everything else the same, I don't know that you're changing a whole lot. Um, you know, would it hurt them to go out and get a new offensive line coach? I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think there, there's an argument that, that could be made that maybe a new voice there would be a good thing, right? Um, so I, I think that the, the, the staff at large is the question. And to me, I, I, I really believe on the offensive side of the ball, I would love to see a whole bunch of guys that I've never seen, you know, in Pittsburgh, in pit uniforms, in pit colors, in Steelers covers, colors, you know what I mean, that didn't play in the whippy hole and everything else. I'd really like to see a, a new crop of people. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on that one, Paul. I want to get into a couple of other um, off-season storylines to watch now that, you know, the Mike Tomlin situation appears to have been resolved. Uh, we've gotten past the offensive coordinator. Brian Bacco was asked, you know, what his big story, offseason storylines were in his uh, weekly mailbag. So I'm going to just get your reaction to to some of these. The, the first one is, do you expect any other changes on on the the coaching staff, specifically Terrell Austin, Danny Smith? Um, look, you know, I think Terrell Austin did a lot of good work, but defense gets shredded in in the playoffs again. Danny Smith, I don't know what he was doing with Presley Harvin this whole time. Um, you know, do you expect any change there or should you expect any change there? Or would you like to see the status quo? I don't think there'll be any change unless Danny Smith retires. I think those are, those two are Mike Tomlin's guys. And I think Terrell Austin, the thing about him that is you know very, very clear is that he's coaching on the side of the ball. That's the head coach's, you know, forte. And I think the head coach has not been shy over the last five or six years about making it very clear that he's, putting his fingers in heavily in the defense and calling a lot of defense and, you know, doing a lot of stuff. So I think it'd be, you know, if you're going to fire Terrell Austin, you better fire Mike Tomlin too. 
Um, so I, and I don't listen, I don't have a problem with, uh, I think Daryl Austin and Mike Tomlin, you know, for the most part do a pretty decent job, but I, I think that, um, in Danny Smith's case, I, I don't know how the guy has kept his job. Honestly, I think special teams have been bad for as long as I can remember. There's either, you know, bad at returning, bad at, uh, uh you know, bad at returning or they're, uh, you know, they're, they're bad at punting. They give penalties. They give up big plays. I just don't like anything about it. I don't. I don't like anything about uh, the special teams, I think. But I don't think he's going anywhere. Brian also brought up, it's going to be interesting to, to watch some of these contract extension candidates. He put Najee Harris in that category. So I guess I'll ask you about him in a separate category because he does have the fifth-year option decision coming up in May. Um, a, would you retain him? And B, of this group, Paul, um, who, who do you think deserves extensions at the stage? Pat Fryermuth is coming up on one, kind of has a down year other than a, a couple of great games. Deontay Johnson, um, you know, I think he was better this season than last, but I, I think in some ways he didn't live up to a lot of people's expectations. Uh, James Daniels is, is coming up on it. Um, I think he's done some decent work, but that offensive line is still flawed. You might want to try some different guys in there. Is there anyone in that group that you want the Steelers to be considering in a long-term way well Deontay Johnson to me you know if you if he's going to take another two-year deal I would be okay with that two or three-year deal I, I don't want you know you shouldn't sign him up long term Fryermuth is interesting because we have seen glimpses of what he can be as a weapon it's just not enough to me the thing about Fryermuth is it's all going to come down and he gets hurt all the time to me, it would be about the number. How much? That's what, you know what I mean? How much does he want and how much am I willing to pay him? That would be a big thing. I wouldn't have, object to him being back as long as it's at the right price. I wouldn't overpay for him, though. Uh, James Daniels, to me, I think James Daniels is the kind of guard that you can go out and find somewhere else. I mean, I, I wouldn't pay him a bunch of money. If he wants to stay around for you know a, a good price, I would, you know. so. I, I don't know that there's anybody that's pressing, really, in my mind, that they absolutely have to re-sign or give an extension to because, um, you know, the guys they have that are, are, are signed long-term are the guys that they need to have long-term signed, you know? Um, don't they have to make a decision this year against uh, Najee's fifth-year option? Yeah, that was the other. That was the other part of the question. I don't think I would. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I think that I would try and work out maybe a two or three-year deal with him. Um, as opposed to the fifth-year option. Um, see if you can get him at a much better price than what you'd have to pay, you know, the, for, for him if you do the fifth-year option. Uh, or you could do what you did with Le'Veon Bell and say, you know what, we're going to give you the fifth-year option, then we're going to franchise tag you, but you're gonna you're paying a lot of money for him uh, over two years. So he's a decision you have to make. I wouldn't do the fifth-year option. I would try and get him to do it like a three-year deal with us. You know, you play your, that gives you seven years here in Pittsburgh. We've got reasonable cost control. We're not in a situation where uh, we're paying you, we're overpaying for you. Uh, but that's the, that's the thing I would do with him. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think Najee Harris made the case to, to be here in, in some form or fashion with the way he played down the stretch. I, I don't think you want to break up that two-headed monster with him and Jalen Warren right when it starts to be figuring things out. But you're right, Paul. I mean, sometimes that the, the end result of that is, is maybe you price yourself out. And, and I don't know if the Steelers are in a position to be funneling a lot of money toward a running back. Listen, he's not on Le'Veon Bell's um, 
you know, plain right now. And, and, and no. I don't think he should be treated that way. Um, Paul, would you rather see Cam Hayward come back next season for year 14, or would you rather see that 24-ish million dollar cap hit spread out into um, other areas of, of need because they, the, the areas of need are many, and if you can spend that money on three, four players instead of one um, who is aging and, and showed some signs of decline this season, um, what's your read on, on the Cam Hayward situation? Uh, I would, if I were them, wait a month, month and a half, or however long they have to see his rehab. I mean, clearly he was never really healthy with his groins, you know? And at that point, you start to say, at his age, is he ever really going to be healthy again? Um, I don't know if you want to pay him as much as he's getting paid. By the same token, you're paying for past performance. There's a lot of intangible value to have him, having him around. Um, if he can demonstrate, you know, that he's healthy, and that he's going to, you know, make a full recovery and, and at least start the season with a chance to be uh, a, a productive player. I probably would bring him back for a lot of reasons, um, but I'd have to I'd have to see that over the course of the next month, month and a half. Certainly, before free agency starts, right, um, Paul. I also wanted to ask: Is there anyone on this roster you would consider trying to trade for some draft capital in that same kind of vein of? Can you turn one good player into a couple solid players that, that kind of fill areas of need? Um, the two I had on my list to ask you about were Patrick Peterson and Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, I know people in the comments crushed me for uh, our, our post-game video I did with Ed Bouchette on Tuesday um, talking about Minka Fitzpatrick. But listen, he's he's a safety. This is not where teams invest their money, uh, broadly around the NFL. There's maybe four or five guys, and Minka Fitzpatrick's probably on that list. But this is this is not a position that they invested in. And I think we saw why down the stretch, Paul. You you had him on the field for that three game losing streak that that really undid your season in lots of ways. Then he's off the field for the three game winning streak to close the season, and he comes back in, has some issues in that game against Buffalo. Um, you know, notably missing that tackle on that last Shakir touchdown. If you can turn him into a couple of solid players, if you could turn his cap hit, which is substantial, it's twenty million dollars for a safety as opposed to you you found Eric Rowe off the scrap heap and got solid play out of him. You moved Patrick Peterson over and got pretty decent play out of him at safety. Um, do, do you consider making a move like that, sending Minka Fitzpatrick maybe to a, a team that was like the Steelers when they acquired him that had Super Bowl aspirations, um, that is maybe looking at a guy like him as someone who finishes their roster, and, and maybe you get something out of them for that? Absolutely. I would try. I would try and trade uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, and, but but again, I've always felt he's very very overrated. I, I don't know that his impact is what people think it is. He makes some big plays here and there. He's had some interceptions. I know he does some good things, but as you pointed out, they win without him. It's not like T.J. Watt where you can look at it and say you take him out of the lineup. They're one and eleven, right? I mean, it, it, he's not that impact that kind of an impact player. I don't know what, you know, it'd be tough to trade him because of his cap and his and his salary and all that other stuff. But if you could find a, a partner uh, that would be willing to trade you some draft capital for him, I absolutely would make that deal tomorrow. Um, Patrick Peterson, I don't know what you're going to get for him. I think, you know, he's kind of a broken down player. I'm not sure what you're going to get for him. Uh, you know, just like sort of chooks a core for you. What are you really going to get for him? Uh, a backup right tackle who lost his job to a rookie. Um, you know, there might be some market. Maybe you get a fifth or sixth rounder for him or something. But I'm just saying, 
the guy that you have that's actually a chip to trade that would make some sense trading would be Minka Fitzpatrick for sure. Um, I'm just saying that's the guy there that you might be able to get something for. Paul, if they make every correct move this offseason on the rest of the roster and, and they nail it and, and this roster is as good as it can be everywhere else, but they still don't have the quarterback situation resolved, what is this team's ceiling? How far can you go with with a roster that that, that they make the right moves in one offseason, but you still have the questions at quarterback? Is it 12 wins? Is it 13 wins? Is it the divisional round? Is it the AFC championship? How much work can they get done if they don't have an answer at quarterback that's any different you know, when they go to St. Vincent for training camp than when we're sitting here now? Uh, wait, ask that again? If, if they make every other move, the, the, right. if they nail every other move this offseason, but you still have Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph as your guys and, and not a whole lot else in that room as, as long-term options, and, and those are the guys that you, you go into battle with next season, how far can they go? Well, I mean, again, I, it all depends on how those two play. I mean, I'll say this, Adam. The four games that Mason Rudolph started, they averaged 24 and a half points. That would be eighth in the NFL in scoring. If they do that with their defense and everybody healthy on the defensive side of the ball, they average 24 and a half points. You know what? They'll have a chance to be 12 and whatever and, you know, maybe even host a playoff game. Uh, but that was a small game, a small sample size. Um, I thought, you know, Kenny Pickett showed some things uh, right before he got hurt. He played a little bit better than maybe he had. Um, but it, it's all going to come down to, are those two guys, if that's your two guys, um, can one of them emerge and become a, a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL? Mason Rudolph did to a small degree at the end of this year, but now they have a whole off season to watch film of them and, you know, everything else. So, um, if everything else changes around them and they get better in every other area, yeah, it still comes down to, do their quarterbacks play well or not? Yeah, and I think that's going to be the ceiling, Paul. I, I think you know we might be sitting here talking about a similar situation next year, where either you lose in the the wild card round, or maybe you get to the divisional round. But I, I don't know if you can get a whole lot further than that with what they have at quarterback, given what you mentioned at the top of the show. That these, you know, Tony Romo said on the CBS broadcast too, the four quarterbacks that are left in the AFC are probably the four best quarterbacks in the AFC. And and if you can't if you don't have a guy on the roster that can can challenge those four guys, you know, for, for those. And, that, and let's not forget the guy that's probably the second best is hurt. So throw him in there. There's five guys that you got to worry about, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a tough sledding situation until you figure out the quarterback situation moving forward quickly, Paul, before I want to get into a couple of uh, other Pittsburgh sports topics. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, who's going to win this weekend in these divisional games? Um, looking at it really quick, really quickly, I think that San Francisco and Baltimore arrested. They basically had uh, an extra bye week because they rested all their guys the last week of the season. Those two teams are rested. They're at home. Uh, they should be ready to play. There's a reason they were the top seeds. I like them to win. And actually, I'll tell you this. I know they both have a pretty big number, like nine and a half, I think, for both of them. I like them both to cover. I, I think, that, you know, people are enamored with Green Bay. I understand it. I understand why. They're enamored with Houston. I understand it. I understand why. I think both of those teams played out of their minds last weekend. And I think they're both um and they're gonna they're gonna come down to earth and 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 come back. And I, I think that Baltimore and San Francisco win big. Now I will say um 
Tampa is going to be interesting. I think that defense is pretty good. If Baker Mayfield plays well, I could absolutely see Tampa uh, winning the game in Detroit. I know it's crazy because they were up and down all year. It all comes down to Baker Mayfield. If he's if they get good Baker Mayfield, I think Tampa wins the game, to be honest, because I think the defense is pretty good. Um, and then uh, the other game, which I think is the, you know, the game that everybody's really anticipating. I'm probably in the minority when I say this. But I think that the, the Chiefs are going to break the Bills' hearts again. I think Patrick Mahomes is better than Josh Allen. I think they're going to break their hearts again. That's just me. Now, I think is if the Bills get past the Chiefs, I think the Bills will go to the Super Bowl. But that's for next week. Yeah, I agree with you, Paul. I, I think the I think the Bills are the team that's playing the best. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's it's Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes the weird things happen. He, he finds a way to win. Um, although it's going to be, I'm going to be very interested to see how he responds to having to play in a road environment in the playoffs for the first time. Um, you know, the, the Arrowhead is a nice, cushy place for him to to stay. And, and leaving leaving that little you know cozy pocket and having to go to Buffalo of all places, I'll be curious to see how he responds to that. Um, Paul, I want to get into some Pirates talk, a little college hoops talk real quick. Before we do, just want to thank our sponsor, Pitt Johnstown. It's a Pitt-quality education with up-close and personal learning, a top-ranked Northeast Public College by U.S. News & World Report. Generous scholarships and financial aid are available, located on 655 picturesque acres, easy access to the city center with shopping and dining, vibrant campus life with an active G2 athlete community. Check out Pitt Johnstown. Um, Paul, Baseball Prospectus came out with their top 100 prospects list. The Pirates had two guys. After five years of tanking, they had two guys. The Cubs had nine. The Cardinals had six. The Brewers had four. And the Reds had three. I will in- insert and say the Pirates have called up guys who would be on the top prospects list in the last couple of years. So it's not as if um, you know this, this development situation has been a total bust. But I think it, it illustrates the point, Paul, that you know, a lot of times we like to talk about who's coming, who's coming, who's coming. This list points to there's no one coming, right? You have yeah. teams, you have Tamar Johnson, who's still buried in lower levels of the minors. But beyond those two, you know, Bubba Chandler, I know it popped up on one of the lists. Um, you know, I, I think it was uh, Baseball America's list. They had like four guys in the top 100. But, but the point to me at underscores, Paul, is this rebuild is going to rise and fall on the guys that we've already seen in the big leagues, isn't it? Absolutely. That's the whole point. I think that's one of the things that we, you know, uh, is a little bit frustrating is that they they did uh, all of this stuff to rebuild the roster and you'd think, okay, they have a team that's ready to win now. And they also have, you know, five years, they should have more in reserve as well. Now I know they've caught up a lot of guys, but okay. So if a couple of these guys don't work out, where are we getting, where, where, where are they getting, you know, replacements from really? And Skeens, to me, I mean, obviously he's a he's a he's a pitcher, but he's a college pitcher, and 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 so I, I feel like when you look at him, uh, hopefully he comes up and he's ready to pitch and he's ready to be what they think he can be. But if he isn't ready this year, I mean, you're getting absolutely nothing uh, uh, from your farm system this year. Everybody that is supposed to be anybody is is on your major league team, and I don't know. I look at the roster and I'm still not sure if it's good enough. Um, you know, is Nick Gonzalez good enough? I mean, I don't know. Is he? You, you tell me. Is he good enough? Is you know, Connor Joe and the, you know the, the 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 big fat guy from the Brewers? Is he? Is that a good enough platoon at first? Guess what? Neither of those guys are part of the prospects. 
They're guys you picked up, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're guys you picked up along the way. You know, is Henry Davis a catcher? I guess we're going to find out. I, I don't know if he is or if he isn't, but we're going to find out this year apparently because we have to. So uh, to your point, Adam, um, it's frustrating because it really does illustrate that, yeah, they kind of are all in right now this year. And if it doesn't work out, you turn around and you say, okay, what's next? Okay, I guess we need another five-year rebuild. Right, and, and here's the here's the frustrating thing. I don't think Paul Skeen should count on this list in terms of how have the Pirates rebuilt their farm system. He is not a farm system player, right? Like he's a guy <laughs> who should be polished. You you maybe stage him a little bit, get him used to professional life, professional baseball, and then you get him up here. That's how it should work. He is not – whether he succeeds or fails, Paul, I, I don't think he's a referendum on this development regime, right? Like right. It, it, he's, he's someone else's polished player that you are plugging in. He's almost more like a free agent to me than he is a homegrown talent. No, absolutely. He, and they haven't – they've done nothing to develop him yet, so that's the other part of it. We have to see that. And, you know, by the time he gets here, he's – they're only going to have their hooks in them for like what uh, eight months or something. Yeah. So I, I even if he works out, even if he's perfect, he's the perfect draft pick. He, he let's say he wins a Cy Young. I don't think you look at that and say, oh well, there's there's evidence that, that Ben Sherrington knows how to develop. I, I say I kind of look at Garrett Cole the same way. I don't think he saved the Neil Huntington regime by any means. Um, Paul, I want to talk a little bit about college basketball too. Two pit hoops loses to Syracuse. It, it seems like they are careening out of NCAA tournament contention. Um, they look like a 500-ish team. This is year six for Jeff Capel. Obviously, they did a lot of good things last year, reinvigorated the city, but um, does it feel like the bar has been so lowered at Pitt compared to where Jamie Dixon was? And I think this is actually an interesting conversation because um, of the Mike Tomlin situation. Is is Jay, the Jamie Dixon situation, what we've seen at Pitt, a cautionary tale of, of discarding a coach who can win um, in, in hopes of finding someone who can get past a, a certain threshold because, uh, God, that program, Paul, is, is just fallen so far from, from when I was growing up. Well, unless Scott Barnes is going to be the uh, general manager of the Steelers, I don't think you have to worry about that. And part, you know, part of the problem is um, at Pitt, that, you know, going there's, there's so many differences in, in the whole situation. Number one, starting with the fact that Jamie Dixon didn't want to be here anymore. Let's start there. Um, but but the other part of it is Scott Barnes obviously made a horrific hire. And guess what? In college athletics, if you make a horrific hire, it can really have devastating consequences for, you know, five or six years beyond. Now, the thing about Jeff Capel, he hit an inside strike last year with all of his, like, 35-year-old transfers. They all came together, you know what I mean? But there's a lot more evidence to suggest that he's not the guy than there is to suggest he is. And I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great role model for you know for the, for uh, the players. I think he's a good face of the program. I think he does everything well, but coach. And so at the end of the day, in year six, I think this is year six, isn't it? Yeah. You got you got to be further ahead than they are. Um, and part of it is some of the same kind of things. And I can tell you, this is the kind of season where if it goes south, you know, is Carrington going to be here next year? No. You're obviously losing Henson, right? It wouldn't shock me if even, you you know, maybe the Twins look to go elsewhere. That's just how sports are. And so you're starting over again. I mean, this is a team that should be better than it is. Uh, I get it, losing Dior Johnson hurt, but he's not. He wouldn't be changing the problem. The problem is this team has no identity. 
And so, you know, and frankly, we have no basketball here in this town to, to really hang your hats on at all. Uh, Penn State had a big win the other night, but, you know, they, they are what they are. Uh, West Virginia, obviously, is going through some struggles. They had a big win as well, but they're going through some struggles. Robert Morris is a disaster. Duquesne is a disaster. Pitt is bad. It's just not, I mean, basketball season right now isn't very much fun around here. No, and, and I was going to ask you about that Penn State upset, Paul. I mean, Penn State's had some decent wins, too. They've beaten Ohio State. They've beaten Michigan. they got some bad losses there, too. But I think in the first year of Mike Rhodes, you're looking at them and saying, they're doing things Pitt should be doing, right? I mean, yeah. with more consistency. Um, does it concern you that if you look at the last, like, five, six, seven, eight years at this point, it, it, we're almost getting to the point where it feels like Penn State is the healthier basketball program. Can you believe you're saying that? It's true, though. It's absolutely true. Part of it is they've hired better coaches, right? They've hired better coaches. Even Pat Chambers, the one thing he was able to do was able to go into Philadelphia and recruit guys. So, you know, whatever went on with him and everything else, he always seemed to have a good group of players coming in. Um, we never thought we'd say that 15 years ago, Penn State, but I think Penn State's been the better program um, over the last six, seven, eight years, and it's been a program. And if you look at the programs right now, right, West Virginia is going to have to go out and hire a new coach. So if you compare the three, Penn State probably is the closest to being really good again or, you know, whatever. I mean, in terms of like next, I would say next year, Penn State has a chance to be really good if, 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 if he recruits uh, reasonably well. Yeah, if you bulk up the front court, I think you, you could be a bubble team again. And I, I think prob Penn State probably has the lowest ceiling, Paul. Um, I don't think Penn State's ever going to compete for Final Fours the way we saw Pitt do. Um, you know, it's, it's just not the culture up there. And, and I think if you put a good team at Pitt again, you could get things rolling. Um, but, you know, I think Penn State is the closest to be the best form of itself it can be. And 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 I think that's a, a perennial bubble team, maybe, a, you know, a 10, 8, 9, 10 seed. You know, that's not a great upside, but it's it's something. And right. I think they're closer to that. And I think that's concerning considering Mike Rhodes was basically starting from nothing. From, right? from scratch. He, yeah, he absolutely. Larry on that roster. And that's about it that you kept from the Micah Shrewsbury era. Um, it's it's concerning that he's kind of come in and, and I think almost surpassed Jeff Capel and Pitt so far this year. Uh, Paul, any final thoughts before we sign off for the week? No, I, I think we covered it all this week. We'll do it again next Thursday. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, next, by next Thursday, we're not – maybe or actually, yeah, by next Thursday, maybe we'll be talking about a new offensive coordinator. Maybe not. Who knows? New offensive coordinator. I think we'll be keeping our eyes out for other moves on the coaching staff as well. You'd expect those to happen sooner than later. Um, I think those are kind of the first things that are going to hit. So, yeah, check that out next week. Paul and I will be back then. Christopher Carter will be back on the North Shore Drive on Friday. If you enjoyed this video, please like and help us out in the YouTube algorithm. And please subscribe so you don't miss anything that we're doing. Um, the video is coming out every day. Lots of college basketball talk. We're going to have more Pirates talk. I think Jason Mackey's going to the Dominican Republic. So he'll hopefully have some good stuff from there. Uh, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you all again soon. All right. We'll see you. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.